The Bahamas, the vacation paradise, across over 5,300 hundred square miles of the world's most crystal clear blue ocean, exists over 700 unique islands, including 16 major islands. Only about 30 of those islands are inhabited, with over 90% of the population residing on three islands, New Providence, Grand Bahama, and Abaco. The remaining offer pristine white sand beaches, secluded pink sand beaches, deserted islands, and private coves. In the waters surrounding the islands, coral, sand, and rocks create 2,400 k's to swim, dive upon, and explore. In 2019, seven and a quarter million people visited the islands as tourists. Those tourists travel from all over the world to enjoy the beautiful beaches and ocean and all the recreational opportunities they present. Swimming, snorkeling, diving on the numerous shipwrecks, the fabulous weather, and the excellent Caribbean cuisine are the highlights for most travelers. Throw in historical sites, phenomenal shopping, island hopping, amazing luxurious hotels, and even the famous swimming pigs, and you will have a world-class vacation not soon forgotten. The Bahamas are also home to two other entities crucial to our story, both interconnected. The tongue of the ocean, sometimes referred to as Toto, is a U-shaped flat-bottom trench plunging to 3,600 feet deep in the south and over 6,600 feet in the north. The trench separates Andros Island and New Providence Island, creating a vast deep ocean region. The region also hosts part of the Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center, or AUTEC. The characteristics of the deep ocean basin of the tongue of the ocean make the site ideal for naval exercises and experiments. According to the Naval Sea Systems Command website, AUTEC, Atlantic Undersea Test and Evaluation Center is a United States Navy project offering underwater testing, in-air test facilities, and support to the United States, Canadian, British, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, NATO, and other military and civilian organizations. Autech Andros Island, Bahamas, ASD, and Autech West Palm Beach, Florida, WPB, are United States Navy facilities. A small detachment of U.S. Navy personnel is stationed at these facilities, with primary responsibility for the protection of military interests. The maintenance and operations contractor maintains and operates AUTEC under contract with the U.S. Navy. Approximately 45 Civil Service Personnel, Naval Underwater Warfare Center, NUWC, have responsibility for oversight of AUTEC operations and the maintenance and operations contractor. AUTEC and its maintenance and operations contractor will prove to play an essential part in today's story. While vacationing in the Bahamas is fun and exciting, you may overlook the people who live and work on the islands providing the services and infrastructure to support the tourism industry. Tourism accounts for 60% of the gross domestic product and over 50% of the workforce dedicates itself to the tourist trade. With a population of fewer than 400,000 people, the Bahamas hosts over 18 times its own population of travelers each year. 
and that figure is steadily increasing with each passing year. Another 15% of the workforce is employed in commercial fishing. Much of that fishing provides its harvest for sale worldwide, but a percentage stays behind as fresh seafood for the local population and the myriad of cafes, upscale restaurants, and eateries. Commercial fishing encompasses large-scale industrial fishing with large ships and many crew members and small-scale fishing boats with small crews or even one fisherman trying to make a living by providing freshly caught seafood. Doyle Alexander Russell was one such individual taking his boat out regularly to harvest Queen Conch, a highly desirable large sea snail valued as seafood and also as bait. The Queen Conch is a native to the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico and is considered a local delicacy. The meat of a conch is extracted from the shell and is used raw in salads or cooked in burgers, gumbos, chowders, and fritters. In the early morning on Sunday, January 25th, 2004, Russell boarded his fishing boat, the Lady Maxie, and headed out from his home port in Nassau on New Providence Island. He turned south, heading toward the southern western part of the tongue of the ocean to fishing grounds known as the Southern Boars. The tongue of the ocean attracts a wide variety of fish and sea life, making fishing exceptional if you know where to go and which environments attract specific species. Surrounding the depths of the tongue of the ocean are reefs leading up to the plunging depths. Near the shorelines of the area's islands are reef flats, a relatively protected area of water hosting a diverse sea life population. As you proceed to Toto, the reef crests, becoming slightly shallower, but rougher in higher winds and currents before dropping dramatically to the seafloor. The changing depths and shallow areas attract many species, and different depths appeal to sea life conducive to those depths. Artificial structures, such as Autech buoys and their mooring lines, are beacons to sea life congregating nearby. While remote, fishing off an Autech buoy has long proved popular to some, but comes with the risk of being chased off by United States naval vessels. Russell arrived at his preferred location to fish for the conch. The trip started uneventfully, but Russell had forgotten to bring along extra cigarettes. When he saw another fishing vessel off in the distance, he decided to take a break, board his 17-foot dinghy with a small outboard engine, and run over to the other boat and see if he could purchase some smokes from them. The trip to the other vessel took longer than expected, as Russell misjudged the distance across the expanse of water. When he arrived, either due to an inhospitable crew or a shortage of product, he found the requested price outrageous. Nonetheless, he shelled out, no pun intended, eight bucks for eight or nine cigarettes. As he steered the dinghy back toward the Lady Maxie, he was a little concerned to find how small the vessel looked in the distance, several miles away. As he headed toward his fishing boat, the wind picked up and the waves grew. He could no longer see the Lady Maxie. He decided to return to the other fishing vessel to see if they would transport him back to the Lady Maxie, hopefully at a lower premium than they charged for the cigarettes. As Russell turned astern, he was surprised to find how distant that vessel was from him. The wind and current must be working against him, spreading the boats apart at almost an alarming rate. 
After a mile or two, his little outboard began to sputter and then stalled. The situation just became extremely concerning. Russell restarted the motor and it would run for a few minutes before sputtering and dying again. He had no radio or compass with him. Russell continued restarting the engine only to have it run briefly, stutter, and stall. The distance between him, his fishing boat Lady Maxie, and the fishing vessel he approached for cigarettes increased rapidly. Nine times, Russell desperately tried to start the outboard and keep it running, but wasn't making any progress. He abandoned his efforts, went to the bow of the dinghy, tore off his shirt, and waved it frantically toward the fishing vessel for help. He tied his shirt to a long knife and extended his makeshift distress flag as high into the air as he could reach, waving it frantically. The other vessel apparently did not see him, and the boat slowly moved away and out of sight. Now Russell was all alone, surrounded by the ocean, in a small, unprotected boat. Russell turned his attention to the engine and tried to diagnose the issues. No matter what he tried, he could not persuade the outboard to run for more than a few minutes before dying. He continued to search for the site of his abandoned vessel with no results. Despite the engine's insistence of not running, the 15 gallons of fuel eventually was depleted, leaving Russell marooned on the dinghy at the mercy of the wind and currents. For three days, Russell scanned the horizon for any sight of a passing vessel or another fishing boat. For three days, Russell saw nothing but water. On the fourth day, a glimmer of hope came with the sighting of an Autech buoy. The massive 35-foot buoy marked the southern portion of the naval ranging grounds and Toto. It was a considerable distance away, but being at a fixed point was surely better than floating aimlessly in the middle of the ocean. Russell fashioned a piece of plywood into a makeshift sail and crudely steered the dinghy toward the buoy. Slow progress was made, but when the wind died, a determined Russell put on a pair of swim fins, hung his feet into the water, and began paddling the boat toward the buoy. When he reached the buoy, he secured his dinghy and climbed aboard the buoy's platform. The buoy itself was large and had a hatch leading to a small opening within the buoy. Typically secured with a heavy padlock to discourage vandalism, Russell found this one tied closed with a strand of rope. The interior would shelter Russell from the elements and the harsh sun and provide a more secure area to sleep. Russell surveyed the exterior of the buoy and found abandoned fish hooks and miscellaneous fishing line. First, he unbraided the rope and rebraided it to the fishing line. He rigged up the end of the line with a fish hook and surveyed his handiwork. Russell now had a reasonably strong fishing rig and needed some bait. The buoy attracted various fish, and it wasn't uncommon to find good fishing opportunities around the buoy. With any luck, a fishing party would be along soon and rescue him. In the meantime, Russell dangled the bare hook into the water 
hoping to snag a fish. Before too long, he pulled up a fish and used pieces of it for bait. Once he baited the hook, Russell could catch enough fish to eat raw, enough to satisfy his hunger. He continued fishing, cleaned what he caught, and laid them on the deck and railing of the boat to dry out. Along with bait fish, he was able to catch Corvallis jacks, Atlantic triple tail, and blue runner jacks. The days crept by for Russell. He spent his time fishing while keeping a keen lookout on the horizon, hoping to spot a boat. Twice he spotted vessels far off, but could not hail them, as they were too far in the distance. When it rained, he drank the water off from the deck of the buoy, and while it wasn't a lot, it was enough to sustain him. He often prayed, keeping his faith in God, as he was in the bountifulness of the buoy providing him with fish to eat and water to drink, but that he knew he needed more. Every day a pod of whales visited him and his little haven, and he believed it to be a good sign from God that his plight would end happily. Meanwhile, the Richard L. Becker was gearing up for a maintenance trip out to Toto. The Becker is part of Towboat U.S., a contractor for the United States Navy. Specializing in towing, salvage, and maintenance operations, they also provide search and rescue support to law enforcement and the United States Coast Guard. Today, the Becker's mission was to perform maintenance on the Autec buoys. A few weeks back, another vessel reported a buoy with a broken lock. The crew secured the hatch with a length of rope and logged the issue for a future voyage. Captain Peter Caswell was in today's command of the 96 salvage vessel, accompanied by mate Russell Inman. They headed out to Toto, unaware of the importance of their trip. The previous night, Russell was filled with despair. He had been at sea for 16 days, three in the dinghy and 13 stranded on the buoy. He wanted to kill himself. Russell finally dozed off, and that night God told him in a dream to wait one more day. He awoke late and remained inside the buoy. After many hours of cruising and a full day of regular maintenance duties, the crew of the Becker spotted the buoy off in the distance. It was 9.30 p.m. on February 10th. As they approached, Captain Caswell saw a capsized dinghy tied to the buoy. When they got closer, they could see fish hanging from the railings, drying in the sun. It appeared someone had been stranded here, and the scene was forbidding. At such a great distance from land, the captain and his first mate expected the worst. Captain Caswell contacted the U.S. Coast Guard to report the situation and slowly approached the buoy. He sounded the horn. A loud, long blast. No one emerged from the buoy. A minute passed, and the hatch slowly opened, and Doyle Alexander Russell stepped out, surprised and overjoyed to see the ship trolling around the buoy. He called out, I'm alive! Help me! I need water and food! Captain Caswell and Mate Inman were just as surprised to see Russell emerge from the buoy. They expected the worst to find a body in the buoy. After providing Russell with a hot breakfast and shower, they contacted authorities again 
and reached the Bahamian Defense Force, which sent a vessel to retrieve their citizen. When Russell returned to Nassau, he was happily reunited with his wife and six children, who feared the worst after such a great length of time since Russell's departure. Doyle Alexander Russell was fortunate but resourceful and determined to stay alive. He was 100 miles from home and 40 miles from the closest land, but he persevered. He praises Caswell and Inman as his angels, his heroes, and promised to reunite with them to cook you the best Bahamian meal you ever had. Russell vowed never to smoke cigarettes again, whether in the deep woods, high in the mountains, or at sea. Always be prepared for the worst, because you never know when you will find yourself in the wild. Ian Scotto narrated today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to another exciting installment of In the Wild. To hear more captivating stories of real-life survival, hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Stay prepared because you never know when you may find yourself in the wild.